Good. Um, as you noticed, we the three of us speaking this morning, and so I don't want to take anybody else's time, so I'll just get straight into it. As you know, we're in the book of Joshua, and so what I'd like to share this morning is uh, we as a group is going to try and cover from Joshua 11 to 24, so it's quite a task, but um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And so what I in particular want to focus on and get all the points that I'm going to share with you from is actually Joshua 15, or chapters 15 to 19. And when you first look at this passage of Scripture, these passages of Scripture, and you just value it at face, look at it at face value, you may want to just skip over it because you'd think, oh, this is just a boring geography lesson, and why should I even struggle trying to pronounce all these odd names and things and see the territory? But if that is your attitude, um, you're sorely mistaken. There's actually such precious things hidden here for us, and I'm going to try and reveal three of them to you. And I want to remind you that um, Paul actually says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for instructing, for correcting, for rebuking, and for training the man of God so that you might be ready for every good work, fully equipped and ready. And so, furthermore, as I've shared with you even last time I preached this, that I totally believe that everything recorded in Scripture is there for us to learn something about who God is. So I'd like to highlight three things that I think you can get out of this so-called boring geography lesson. First of all, you would notice when you look at it that um, God is a God of detail, absolutely detailed. He is meticulous, he is intentional, he is strategic and very specific in everything that he does. Just start from verse 1 of chapter 15 and you'll see it. But then I'd like to take you to Acts 17, verse 26. In Acts Paul is busy introducing this God to the people of Athens who do not know him. And this is what he says about God. He says, from one man, he, which is God, made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, that's God, determined the time set for them in the exact places, not random, exact places where they should live. The new NIV says, that he marked out their appointed time in history and the boundaries for their lands. Now, why did God do this, you may ask? Well, let's just read on. Verse 27. God did this so that they, which is mankind, would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. In the 21st century, right now, the world is in a crisis. You would agree? And you may ask, well, where is God? Well, I believe God is right there in the crisis doing an incredible work. Do you know that there are 84, 84 million displaced peoples around the earth right now? And that was before Afghanistan happened. So that number is growing. May it just be that God is actually displacing people to put them into places <clears throat> where they can be confronted with the opportunity to meet Jesus. You know, since the Syrian tragedy started and refugees, Syrian refugees, ex-Muslim or Muslim refugees found their way into Germany, no less than 50,000 of them have found Christ. 
and are actually the life of the, or reviving the life of the German church right now. Incredible. Matthew 5, verse 13 says, You, that is you and me, friends, are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they place it on a stand. Instead, they strategically position it so that it can, so that it can give light to everyone in the room. You and me find ourselves in our place of work, in our place of fun, in our place of just whatever we do, because God has strategically placed you and me there in the hope that your work colleague or people around you facing the uncertainty of life right now may at some point call out to him, reach out to him, and find him in you and me right there next to them. That's my point number one. God is giving us opportunities unprecedented to represent him in this time, a God of detail, strategic. My second thing is, what do, what do, we, look, uh, what do we learn from the meticulous way in which the land was divided and allotted about who God is. I don't know if you've wondered why they call it allotment and didn't say the portion that you know, was given to Judah or Ephraim or anybody. Why did they say allotment? Because what the Joshua did is he sent the guys out to go and survey the land, make a very thorough survey of it, divide the land west of the Jordan into nine and a half equal valued portions. And then what did Joshua do in the presence of God? He cast lots to determine what piece of land was given to what person. You think it's random, that's under the instruction of God. Now why don't we do that anymore? When was the last time that we see in Scripture a lot being used to determine a decision? Anyone know? When Judas needed to be replaced, Judas Iscariot, two men qualified for the job, the apostles didn't know who to choose, and they cast lots in the presence of God, and the lot fell on Matthias. That is why. Where do we find that? Acts chapter 1. What happens in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit is poured out, Pentecost. And what does the church do since the Holy Spirit's being poured out? Acts 13, verse 1 and 2. It says, while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. So the allotment of the land, and it's not just geography, it's actually showing us a God who has given us his Holy Spirit. Do you realize that there is no other being worshipped in the universe, no other religion, no other God, where the God actually enables his people to do what he has called them to do by giving them a helper? And not just to help her, his very own spirit. To, to empower them, to bring revelation to them, to actually equip and enable them to do every single thing he has called them to do. Beautiful, isn't it? My last point I'd like to share with you comes from the story of Zelophehad's daughters. Now, Zelophehad, I tried to practice saying that name. I hope that's right. We find it in uh, Joshua 17, verse 3. It says, Now Zelophehad, 
son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Makur, son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters. Her names were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. They went to Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the leaders, and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our relatives. So Joshua gave them an inheritance along with their brothers, sorry, the brothers of their father, according to the Lord's command. Now, what is happening here? Let's take you to Numbers 27. That gives you background to what is happening here. Numbers 27, verse 1, it says again, The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hepha, the son of Gilead, the son of Makur, the son of Manasseh, belong to the clans um, of Manasseh, son of Joseph. Their names, the names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tursa. It's significant that their names get repeated. Guys, I can't go into all the detail, but that's why I'm reading it. They came forward and stood before Moses. Eleazar, the priest, the leaders of the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. So what is this girl with these three sisters or five sisters doing? They are actually saying, why is there any discrepancy between men and women? Why are women and men not view the same in the world and have the same status and rights? So what does Moses do? He takes it, he brought so Moses brought their case before the Lord, that is Yahweh, and the Lord said to him, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. Do you know how big that was at that time? Where no nation in the world considered women equal to men having the right to own property. This is incredibly significant. We think that Jesus only uplifted women. It is right here from the start that God valued women equal to men. That is the God that we serve. Furthermore, we can see from these girls that, that they were a bunch of ladies who encouraged one another to actually passionately pursue their inheritance in God. They were not going to allow the sin of their father or the faithlessness of their father robbed them of their inheritance in God. So today you may be listening and you may be, may be a child of a father that abdicated or a father that even abused you. But God is saying to you that nothing in your past should rob you of the future that he has for you. God equals men and women equally. And this morning... I believe that God wants to take your faith, cup your face in his hands, men and women alike. Look at you in your eyes and say, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. That's what we learned from, from Zelophehad's daughters. Amen. Over to you, Dave. Thank you, Francois. Let's make a smooth change here. Yeah?
So good to see you all. So that's such a great word, and um, I was just hoping that um, Francois wouldn't steal any of my points. And I think the first one he might have, but I just want to go back to what he was sharing about all Scripture. And I'm talking about Caleb today, and it's found in Joshua chapter 14. But I'd like us just to have a look quickly, and we're not going to show the Scripture, but I just want to share it. In Joshua 22, there's an account which is about some of the tribes that are going back to the east side of the Jordan after fighting battles on the west side. And on the way, they decide to build an altar. There is a misunderstanding that takes place, but the other tribes decide to go to war against them when they hear that they're building an altar. And they say this, do not, in, in Joshua 22 verse 19, do not rebel against the Lord or against us building an altar other than, by building an altar, other than the one true altar the Lord our God wanted us to. Okay, so he says, here's the warning. Didn't divine anger fall on the entire community of Israel when Achan a member of the clan of Zerah sinned by stealing the things set apart for the Lord. He was not the only one who died because of his sin. The point is this. They, they suddenly heard that something was happening contrary to God's will, and they knew that they had to act. Otherwise, once again, they would suffer the consequences of somebody's sin. And we have to we have to realize that these, these lessons are for us today as well, that we need to look at the Bible and read it carefully and say, Lord, what are you saying to us? Because we can suddenly find ourselves not enjoying the blessing, the full promise that God has for us by our disobedience. Amen. So on to Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. This Scripture is incredible, and it talks about governing ourselves well, living in, a, living in a way that we understand that there are consequences to our actions. So Joshua, um, is a delegation comes to him from the tribe of Judah, led by the, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and I'm reading from verse 6, and it says, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. So he's bringing to remembrance something that happened 45 years earlier. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb has been brooding on something that happened 45 years earlier. And he's never forgotten what happened. He hasn't forgotten the promise. He hasn't forgotten what happened. And I wonder what his thoughts must have been right through those 45 years when he, must, he might have thought, you know what? We could have been in the promised land now. We could have been in those cities. We could have been enjoying the produce of the land. But no, now we've got to wander around in the wilderness. And <laughs> I think sometimes he must have wanted to get a little bit bitter. The other spies had frightened the Israelites out of the inheritance. They'd come so far. And then the, the spies frightened 
Israelites out of their inheritance. So here's the question. What are the words that we are saying? Are we frightening other people out of their inheritance? Or are we encouraging people to take the promise that God gave them? There might be giants, but we have to focus on God's promises. God held those 10 spies to account for their actions. They were some of the first that died. Everyone who was over 20 died. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, you can read about that. This is the amazing thing. Those 10 spies were actually telling the truth. There were giants in the land, but they were, they were focusing on what they saw and not on the promise of God. Caleb also, he says, I gave an honest report. What was the difference? Caleb's honest report was based on the word of God. The people's honest report was based on what they saw. And we are faced with many different things every single day that we can make a choice. Do I focus on my own wisdom here? Or what is God saying through his word? What is my foundation? What is my plumb line? How do I live my life? Verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me to that, on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Verse 12, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You'll remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. They were the giants. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Well, the amazing thing is Caleb doesn't go and say, okay, I'm old now. Just give me a portion of land that is at peace or that is quiet or at rest. No. All these years later, he still focuses on the promise. It's burning in his heart. At the age of 85, he goes and he tackles the giants. Why? Because God made him a promise. God made him a promise. And I want to ask you this question this morning. In fact, all of us, can God trust us with his promise? Can we carry that promise for 45 years without seeing it fulfilled? Or will we get disgruntled and grumble against God? I encourage you, we have to be people that are steadfast in our faith. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. Down to the end of verse 15, and the land had rest from war. Caleb goes straight for the land that the other spies had warned the people about. I think it's an incredible scripture. Then it goes on in chapter 15, verse 15. And from there, he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debur. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the one who attacks and ca captures Kiriath-Sephah. Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, who was the one who conquered it, so Aksa became Othniel's wife. So we were chatting about this after prayer, and Francois said, she must have been a real babe. <laughs> That some guy would say, I'll take a town for this girl. And he must have been quite a guy that said, listen, I know I can take this town. 
he would have known her. They were cousins. He would have known her, grown up together, and, and maybe he was planning, listen, how can I get this girl? She must be amazing. And so he goes on and he takes the town. What's amazing is we learn in Judges later on, in Judges 3 verse 11, that Othniel leads them. And he leads them and it says that there was peace in the land for 40 years as Othniel led them. So the point is this, that Caleb, during his 45 years, he wasn't just wandering around doing nothing. He was leaving a legacy for his family. He was bringing up his daughter in the ways of the Lord. He was teaching her to focus on the promise. His, his own, what's it, nephew, he was bringing up in the ways of the Lord. You can take a town. You can trust God. He is faithful and true. You can believe his promise. And so many times... We are trusting God for his promise, but we are doing it in our own strength. And when we trust God, when, when we do things in our own strength, we will get to a point where our own strength fails us. And we'll suddenly come up against that giant and we'll say, so much and no further. And we won't fully inherit what God has for us. And uh, there are many places in Scripture that God gives us promises. But the one area that I want to just look quickly at is the area of peace. Jesus promised us peace, not as the world gives. In John 14, verse 27, I give you a peace, not as the world gives, but he's offering us a peace that in the midst of COVID, in the midst of looting, in the midst of everything that's going on, we can have peace. But you know why we don't experience that peace? Because we want it in our own strength. Do you know that when you get angry and try to control a situation, you are actually going after peace? You're trying to use your own strength to get peace instead of the fruit of the Spirit, which is God's way to peace. I want to read one more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I don't want to take any of your time, Chris. <laughs> we think you ought to know, dear brother. So this is Paul speaking. He's talking to the Corinthians, and he's sharing his experience. He says this. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by coming along on Thursday night and praying for us. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are today. If you're a young guy or a young girl here, God has a promise for you. And with his help, you can accomplish that, that promise. I want to encourage you today. Be careful of what you say to others because you could rob them of their promise by discouraging them not to walk into what God has for them because you don't have the faith to do what they have the faith for. Encourage them into that. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Hold on, Dave. Now, to wrap all of that up, isn't that uh, incredible? And uh, I just, even while I'm sitting thinking there, I just thought, how much have we heard over this Joshua series? That's been incredible, from Rahab to Caleb 
to the Word, to the Spirit, to inheritance. There's just been so many themes running through this, this book as we've actually just been able to dig into it. And uh, I must say, I've probably felt the weight of wrapping up this a little bit. How do you finish it off? And uh, what, what has God been saying to you? I'm even just thinking now, God, what are you saying to us now? Just as we end off this, this, um, this series, what are you saying to us? And we um, had a, a word come in from one of our, our members, Lorraine, and she, she sent this message and she said, speaking about Joshua, and, uh, and I love this message. I've been thinking about it the whole week, but it says, from a baby, the influence of his mother, maybe grandmother, aunts, uncles, nurturing and loving him, good close friends he had supporting him, listening to him, encouraging him, etc. All the seemingly insignificant little stepping stones through his teens to becoming the leader chosen to inherit the land. People not mentioned in the Bible influenced his life. Felt God impress on me how important it is for each one of us to obey the smallest promptings of the Holy Spirit in ministering in our lives, our families' lives, and other people's lives. Never to underestimate or despise the seemingly small things that could be part of helping to inherit their land and walk in that inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? All the unsung heroes of Joshua, which we hear nothing about. And I love the collective nature of this book. We hear about an inheritance given to a people, and there's a whole lot of individual stories which, which come out in this book. But in that individual story, there's all these interconnected stories with each people, each person and, 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 and parent and child and brother and sister working together to move forward into the kingdom of God, into the land that he's promised us. And, uh, and I just thought just three quick small points. And uh, the first one is nothing that we do is small or insignificant. Nothing, as we look at inheriting the land, you might not feel like you can even um, relate to Rahab, who was this broken woman, but you might feel like, actually, I don't feel like I relate to Rahab. I don't feel like I relate to Caleb. But, but somewhere in that, there was a parent teaching their child. Somewhere in that, there was a youth leader teaching their, 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 the guy who comes to youth on a Friday night. Somewhere in that, there's a, a life group leader who's leading somebody every week, day and night, until that person comes into their inheritance. And, and somehow, even the small, insignificant things that we do daily is helping one another to walk into our inheritances. And we should never underestimate the power of the small acts that we do daily. I just think of the woman with the two copper coins. It wasn't, it wasn't the size of what she did, but it was her offering to God that was pleasing to him was even a cup of water in my name. Somebody will not lose that, that reward. Just a cup of water given to somebody who, who, who's one of my children. Think of the parable of the talents. It's, it's not how much we've been given, but it's what we do with what we've been given. It's how we obey God and what he's called us to do. I love Hebrews 6. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Isn't that beautiful? The unsung heroes of Joshua, helping one another. I think of, as Joshua led, there must have been millions of people around that hear nothing about, but each person playing their role in, in, in walking into the inheritance of God. Second point, which I think as we look in the New Testament, we may never see our inheritance here. Good, good point to remember. I think sometimes the prosperity gospel has taken this while, but we may never see our inheritance here. A story of a, a friend, I've got a friend, and, uh, and he tells me the story of how his son comes to him one day, and he's like, Dad, I want to start making some bucks. Can I come work for you? And, uh, and his dad's like, okay, well, you can come work for me. Uh, I'll pay you what I would pay anybody else, and uh, at the end of the week, you'll get that salary, or you can come and work for me as a son. And I might not give you a salary at the end of the week, but you will inherit everything that I have. 
And, uh, and I love that because it's actually saying to him, son, you can come and work for me as an employee and, and, and I'll give you what you deserve. Or you can come and work for me as a son. And one day you'll walk into the fullness of my inheritance. Everything will be yours. Everything will be yours. And I've loved that. And, uh, and we see that even in Romans 8, 17. And I love Nick's point last week. He says, and I just want to reiterate this. It's not what we do, but it's who we are. We are God's children. And because we are his children, we are his heirs. And Romans 8, 17 speaks about now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I love that. So in Christ... I'm an heir, which means that there's a full inheritance for me to inherit as a son, which is something which I can't see the fullness of right now. It speaks about crowns of righteousness or crowns of life, all these things that will be given to us one day, something of the inheritance that we walk into. But we work as sons and as daughters, not as employees or as slaves. And, uh, and even as we, we, we look at Joshua, it's important that we, we settled in our sonship or in our daughtership. You may never see our inheritance here. And uh, Hebrews 13 speaks about all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things know that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And I say this because, because you may think of inheritance as something really great here and now. And there is something of us walking into our inheritance here, but the fullness of it is not here. The fullness of it is in what's to come. And, and you may live a life full of suffering, full of difficulty, full of hardship, full of pain, maybe physical pain. And you think, God, is this my inheritance? But it speaks about actually as sons, as we share in Christ's suffering, we, we inherit the fullness of everything that he has. Everything that he has, even in a life of suffering here and now. And it's good for us to know that the fullness of our inheritance will be reached one day. Not here and not now necessarily. I love how 1 Peter 4 speaks about this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Beautiful inheritance for us to walk into, both individually and both corporately. And um, I love the Levites. The Levites, I've been thinking about them a lot. Levi was a bad guy. Hey, I mean, in, in Genesis 34, you can go read about how him and his brothers, they land up slaughtering a whole uh, a, a tribe, actually, a whole um, town of people because somebody had raped their, their sister. And, uh, but I love Levi's inheritance. And it says here, but to the tribe of Levi, God gave no inheritance. Since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. And then again, a little bit later in verse 33, it says, But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. And uh, I don't know if you can picture the, the moment. Can you imagine all your brothers and sisters are busy being given land, like real land, physical land that you can go and you can plant and you can um, actually create a life for yourself. And here they are told, you're not getting any land. Jeez. Can you imagine? That's the raw end of the deal, if you think about it. I mean, can you imagine? You might have been bummed. You might have been, well, what am I going to do now? I've got nothing in, in terms of working my own land. And, uh, and I was just thinking, you might be disappointed with your lot. <laughs> you might be disappointed with, why am I not been given what somebody else has been given? Why have I not been given a piece of land to be able to work and to inherit? But Levi, even from his really bad, I suppose, past, it's actually, in a sense, given the best inheritance. He's given Christ himself. He's given God himself. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you with that. You might be disappointed with your lot. 
in life. You might think, man, why have I been given this? But you might not realize, actually, it's the best thing that God has for you. The lot that you've been given is the best lot that God has for you. And in a sense, he's given him, himself to you. And that's the best thing that we could ask for. And I think about that, like, actually, you get Christ, you get everything. You get the fullness of all the land. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And maybe to, to wrap up with my last point, we need each other to run our, or to run into our inheritance. I, I love, uh, sometimes we're so individualized in our thinking. And, um, and even though there are individual stories and individual pieces of land, it's amazing how God calls a people, a collective people, a corporate people to walk into the fullness of God. And we really need each other. And uh, I've been struck by, by the Lord's prayer. And uh, it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our, our trespasses. We forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's amazing. Jesus is reminding us that when we enter into relationship with God, we enter into relationship with his people. There's not an individualness to our, our call in a sense. We actually we are saved by Christ out of sin into his church together as the people of God, as the body of God. I love in that prayer that there's not one singular um, pronoun. Everything is plural. Us, our inheritance. And it speaks about our Father. Give us, give our. There's not one singular there. It's incredible, actually. So, so the weapon that Jesus has given us one of the greatest weapons in advancing the kingdom of God is this, prayer. And he says, actually, how you should pray is by us praying together, us needing each other. And I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible that we can't inherit our land by ourselves. We need each other to be able to do this. There's so many interconnected stories in the book of Joshua that we, we don't even see, yet, yet, yet it's so important for us as the people of God to walk into the fullness of our inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? We're no longer our own. We have been bought with the price, which means I no longer belong to myself, but I belong to you, and you belong to me, and we need to help each other to walk into the fullness. I love the body of Christ. You can't have a, an arm or a leg or a hand, but actually the fullness of the body working together makes it effective and moving forward into what God's called us to. Beautiful, beautiful truth. What we do is important. How we live is important. How we live with one another is important. I had a coffee with a friend on, um, on Friday morning, and we just sat there encouraging one another. Actually, I was feeling a little bit down, I'll be honest. I was like a bit tired. You know, we've been, been going a little bit, and we just sat there, and, and we spoke life into each other. And he's got to run the, a race that he needs to run, and I've got a race that I need to run. But just that moment gave us strength and encouragement and, 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 and faith, actually, to go again for what God's called us to. And, and I think my heart is that we, as the body of Christ, would, 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 would link together, would go arm in arm, would help one another, would continue doing all the small things that we've been called to do, that we can reach the fullness of the inheritance that God's given us. That's my heart. That's our heart, I think, for us as the, the eldership. And, um, and is that okay? Nick, can I hand over to you? Two, three. What we thought we'd do is Joshua's got so much detail that I asked three elders to give their wrap-up. <laughs> so you've had three closures. Shall I make it a fourth? 
Um, can I just have my glasses? Sorry. I, I want to leave you with this thought. And I know we've had a lot, of, um, a lot of scriptures coming at you, a lot of thoughts, all profound and beautiful. Um, I hope the ladies feel very encouraged today. If you go and look at AXA, um, says, I, I want the, the, the upper springs and the lower springs. And Caleb says, you want what? I want the upper springs and the lower springs. He says, you can have them. I mean, that's, 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 that's the rain from heaven and that's the rain from the earth. It's like, like and he just says, Caleb says, he's got a daughter just like him. And uh, I, I really just, I watched Cutty minister on, on last Sunday night at a church on the beach. And um, I think this is what sums up Joshua. Please, please hear this. It's, uh, now, it's right at the end of the book of Joshua. You can go and find it. Please underline this. Please underline Joshua 24, 28. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. I look at Sarah sitting in front of me here. It's like three redheads there, kind of, but not you so much, Kate. Eh? And I just think to myself, what is your inheritance, Sarah? Rebecca or Dana? I never can tell. Dana. What a beautiful name. Dana, what is your inheritance? And, and if there's one thing we can learn, it says that all the guys in Joshua's generation, um, he died, and then all those guys that outlived him, that generation, they served the Lord. They started the judges. They didn't serve the Lord. They didn't know God. They weren't taught God. They didn't serve God. They just, they, they, they flopped the story. And, and I wanna leave you with this thought, and it's not a stress, Okay. There's no stress here today. It's just saying, anybody, Chris, whoever you out there, Audrey, all of you guys out there, um, Bruce Malamphy sitting right at the end, all, all the way there, um, to Daryl sitting there, that, that's the corner, you know. What is your inheritance? Saying, Lord. You know that I'm still asking God, I mean, I think Katsi Katsi and I, we said, Lord, we'll have a go. We've tried to give him everything we can. He says, it's not finished, son. Amen. It's not finished for you. You've got an inheritance today. Can I, can I ask you, um, can I ask you to bring honor to the closing of the series, saying, Lord, this is a book with a lot of stuff in it, <laughs> a lot of twists and turns, and some guy steals something, and I thought, Lord, I'm sure I'm Achan. Like, like Lord, I've done stuff. I mean, I mean I'm, sure I should, I'm sure I've stolen something, amen? M maybe I've, I've abused the church somehow. And maybe somebody needs to stone me. You know, maybe you, you carry fright, you know. But it's a beautiful story of grace. And you don't have to be Achan. You just have to say, Lord, ah, don't let that rob me of my inheritance. Don't, won't, you, won't you give me my inheritance? So we're going to close it here. But um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you to, all of us, online in the overflow room, just, just ask the Father, your beloved Savior, Jesus, the Holy Spirit say, Lord, my inheritance, amen. Um, if you don't mind me saying this, uh, John Rob, John's an MD of a, I think that's a hectic company he leads. Plus he's an elder, plus he's a dad, plus he's a husband. He's got a lot of stuff to deal with, okay, amen. And we chatted on Friday, and I'm sure he won't mind, he said, I, I won't tell you what the exact word he used, because it's probably a, a word that we should only use amongst guys, but he, he basically said this to me. Flip, I'm tired. I'm just tired, bro. I'm just tired, you know, like I, 
He, I mean, can you imagine carrying, how many boots do you make every month? 180,000 pairs of boots. You've got to run that operation. And uh, as he said that, I thought, jeez, I feel for him, man. I feel for John. I thought, you got to come to prayer meetings, got to come to elders meetings, got to go to life groups, got to worry about Ernest and Rebecca in Lesotho, and so it goes on, or Bethlehem, his kids, his wife. And I thought, yo, that's a stress. Somebody sat with me and said, Nick, I don't know how you passed the church through COVID. I said, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I just think, Lord, I'm meeting with some people tomorrow that are saying, help, help, help. I'm saying, you know, you know what I think? I don't know how to help. I don't know how to help tomorrow. I've got to sit with some people tomorrow and, I got to, and I'm thinking, it's, hey, Lord, put my inheritance on your inheritance. Come on, guys. We're going to look back at COVID and we're going to think it wasn't fun. But the church went through slaughter. They slaughtered the church and some stood still. Some said, no, we will, we will wait. Kill me if you must, but I will praise him. Can I pray that we walk into our inheritance? This is the time to be the church, amen? Not when the church is full and it's like all your mates are here and everyone's happy and this is the time to be the church. The little COVID shake. This is the time, guys. We haven't been tested for 50 years, 60 years. This is the first little test. The, the church historically has been through huge plagues and persecution, amen? This is the time to be the church. And this is the time to say, Father, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm Caleb saying, I want my inheritance. That's an old word, Caleb. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to walk into my inheritance. Can I pray? I'd love to say lift your hands with me, but lift your hearts, lift your heads and and Lord, we, we look at this book. Oh, Lord, there are so many bits and pieces in this book. It's just, we could spend the whole year in the book of Joshua, Lord. But Father, we, we, we want to look at this. And, and Joshua sent each one to their own inheritance. Yet it was a collective land that we, everybody inherited something. And I think, Lord, of the Levites, and we are all Levites here this morning, and we inherit you even, Lord. And we inherit husbands and wives and finances and we inherit this beautiful land called South Africa that they've tried to break us, Lord, in a sense. And there's been stuff going on in this land, but this is your land, Lord. And we are your people, God. And this is your church, Lord. And this is the hour of the church, God. And I pray that we will not shrink back, Lord, but we would buy the dip and we would say, at this time, Lord, we want to be the church like never before. Can you say amen? And so, Father... Even as John was saying, I, I pray for John, Rob, right now, Lord. I pray you would bless him and let him be a representative or stand proxy for all of us, Lord. And I pray for the guys we're going to meet tomorrow. And I pray that you bless them, Lord, and that you encourage them, Jesus. And even, even as um, Chris was saying, a little bit weary on Friday, Lord, bless him as well, Lord. And so we ask you to bless us, Father, because we, we want to be like Caleb and we want to say, Lord, put strength into our spiritual legs. And we want to stand up and lift up our hands and say, God, this is the hour, Lord. We don't care what we feel like. We don't care that we see giants. We don't care, Lord, that they are finances are down or this has happened or our kids says I don't want to go to church we want to say listen we're going son and daughter we're going to youth we're going to kids ministry we're going to life group we're going to praise the Lord 
We're going to lift up His name. And so even as we go out with a song this morning, Jesus, and if you're a daughter that said, you will amount to nothing, daughter, you say, in the name of Jesus, I receive and I insist that the Lord gives me my inheritance because I am a daughter. I'm not a servant girl or I'm not subjugated to, to the line of my father's sin, but I'm a daughter of the sinless one, Jesus. And so therefore, Lord, out of honor to your name, receive your inheritance. And each of us, Lord, we go and do the things that you've called us to do in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Manon.